0: I'm especially grateful for uh Don H who is our next speaker this evening. Don is coming on pretty short notice. Our regularly scheduled speaker for this evening was going to get uh, uh tied up out of town for tonight and uh wasn't he? I didn't find out until noon yesterday that he wouldn't be here. Don has uh, happily agreed and brought his yes right along with him this evening. It gives me great pleasure to introduce a guy who is a good fr- personal friend of mine, an extremely active worker in AA, Don H. of the Overland Group in St. Louis. Don.
1: Short notice, but 50 pages of notes. I too was. Looking for ways or a a method to start. And I guess the easiest way is to look around at the people. Feel what you feel from. And I guess I never saw so many young and old alkies in one room for one real good purpose and it's to stay sober today 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 I don't stutter my name is Don Howard I'm 29 had the fortunate experience of coming today. I was 27 this has been a very gratifying week for me in many ways one was last Tuesday evening okay Richard (laughs) was it I was blessed to, to visit my alma mater here in St. Louis. For They just started a group down there at 5400 Arsenal Street. I went to 17 high schools, and uh, this was the 18th. But I graduated from this one. This was 11 years ago they didn't have AA then and I imagine that I would have been told that I wouldn't have fit in because I wasn't a whiskey drinker or down Skid Row Charlie or didn't have a wife thank the Lord for that but I was so thrilled that these people that were in this place they too had an opportunity to have AA just like you and I and and all the other people out there who who need it but we have the greatest thing we have it and they haven't yet I remember the, the way I got into the Bug House, as I call it now. I wasn't too happy about it then, but I used to play a little amateur golf and I used to drink a little bit then. And I was about 17, and by some stroke of luck, I won a golf tournament. I went down to Hess and Culberson Jewelry Company to get it engraved. I was going through this tomato. And I saw this ring there. Boy, that really looked good to me. 700 bucks. And all I did was, uh, I think I was passing through my 16th high school that summer. And uh, I caddied. So I picked up this ring. And I guess I didn't have enough... Mogan, David, and me, our guts to walk out with it, so I went up to the John upstairs and picked up the tarlatan seat, and took the chewing gum out of my mouth, and I slipped this ring underneath the tarlot seat. Now, this, this is how I'll get it out. I'll come back tomorrow and get it. So I walked out, and I went and saw my t- girl that night, and I said, Boy, I've really got a surprise for you tomorrow. <laughs> Well, I didn't know what a surprise was in store for me that next day. (laughs) I was fortunate enough to get a hold of my Morgan David from good old St. Anne's Liquor. And after my reinforcement, I went downtown Marched right into Culberson, and Culberson, right up to John, right up to that toilet seat, and flipped it right off there, and flipped that gum off, took my shoe and sock off, and put it on the little toe of my, my left foot. Put my shoe and sock back on. Boy, I, I was a winner. And I marched down, and I marched out the door, and they marched right out with me. <laughs> Then they brought me over to a little house. It wasn't too far from there. It was the first uh, jail I was in. And they asked me what my name was, and I didn't have any identification with me because I knew that a smart crook didn't care identification. (laughs) So I told them my name was, oh, Don, something other my father was a priest. (laughs) And I had 17 brothers and sisters. and I'm Catholic, so this doesn't mean that I'm falling away. <laughs> but this is how mixed up I was. And as usual, Mom and Dad came through and they were, they were getting me off the hook again. It was another responsibility that I was going to get out of and I was from North St. Louis originally until we moved out in the county. And when the case was over, I didn't intend it. My attorney did. and My mom and dad. They started going south. And I had never been farther than Paige. And they kept on going south. And I knew that was the wrong way. And I knew that I still didn't have mogey in me, so something was wrong so we went behind this little building and we really got south and <coughs> these two little men this little white coat came out <laughs> and here's how mom and dad got me off see but they forgot to inform me on it so I held quite a resentment for my parents for this for, for quite a while while I was in the bug house I was in there for 13 months and uh, I got a lot of help and at that time I guess mental illness is just coming into the eyes of the public like alcoholism is now or has been for the last few years but so more increasingly now than ever before I got out of the bug house in September and July, I lied my way into the Marine Corps. Well, I spent three years in Marine Corps. I went in as a private. <laughs> of course, I came out as <laughs> one. I had a lot of fun, saw a lot of places, did a lot of bad things. And I guess my character had an opportunity to expand quite a bit more in the wrong way. And from there, I went to work for Friendly Bob Adams. And I found out that Friendly Bob was a damn crook. So this this really bothered my conscience. So this, this gave me an opportunity to to hit it at the lunch hour I was never a lunch hour man up to them but then I got to my lunch hour uh, liquid diet and after GFC I I went to work for Sears my brother poor soul he still works there and if he knew I was here saying this he'd cut my neck off because he has one of their stores but uh I was an outside salesman and that didn't work in very well either. Because I couldn't sell chain link fencing down a corkscrew. I tried, but Ed Kubash just wouldn't he just wouldn't buy chain link fencing. So I was asked to leave Sears. So I did. And the next let me see No, I had to backtrack about three months I was on a, I got fixed upon a blind date with this beautiful young girl who I formerly married who I'm now married to <laughs> formerly oh god <laughs> i kidding,
2: I'm kidding
1: and you didn't believe him when he said I was unprepared but I <laughs> you know well we got married and uh, Nance knew that I didn't have a job but mom was coming up when I came back. When I came back from our, our honeymoon from down in the Ozarks and boy, I mean, we went in the Ozarks. It was free. So you know we went pretty deep. We came back and I looked for work but I, I never left the house to look. <laughs> and at this time, AMP was running a special, on, a special on Robin Hood. And it was running three for a dollar. And since Nancy was working, and I was looking for work at home with Rob as my friend, We had much Robin Hood and much spaghetti because I'd always have supper ready and try desperately to sober myself up by the time she got home. So from there, we moved on. Uh, She lost her job because he thought that she was pregnant and they were pretty right about that. (laughs) So liquor doesn't make you impotent, I found out. (laughs) So we moved out to my mom and dad's and my father feels that anybody that drinks is going to hell, so when I moved in, hell moved in. (laughs) And we, we stayed there for about three months we moved over into a a basement apartment over in Moline Acres and I was just starting as an apprentice butcher and we had uh, bought a piece a few pieces of furniture on time I had learned all the friendly boss tricks so I could buy anything and everything I knew all the Ups and downs on charging. So one night we went to bed, and the next morning we got up, we got out, and then something happened in this basement. They had a flood. And we, we were in about, I guess, about three to six inches of water. So we had to move out, we couldn't afford to pay a renting place, and her mother in law loaned us some money to put it on and down payment on our house. This was another break. Another way that I was being helped. But not helped. I was looking for a way out of my confusion. But I, for the life of me, I I, I couldn't find it. I looked. I looked to myself. I guess that we have been living in the house about... Three years, and we were about to ready, we were about ready to lose the house, and uh, oh, we had that big. They were the bills were that big. They were really tall. They were tall and mighty, and I had lost all self-respect for myself, and I had seen over a process of the three and a half years of our marriage that my wife had little or none for me and our little girl uh, she wasn't smart enough not to have any respect for me I was I was getting scared and I didn't know what to do and after one of my fabulous weekends On the following Monday, my wife came up to me and she had a piece of paper and she put it up to me and she said, this is how Denny and I are going to be able to, to make it without you. And I could tell by the tone of her voice and by knowing her that she wasn't bullying me one bit. She really meant it. So, about two weeks prior to that, I had heard this gentleman by the name of Mr. X on the radio. And at this time, I had gone back to beer. (coughs) Because you could never be an alcoholic if you drank beer. So, I remember that this man had said, this is possible to be an alcoholic and, and drink beer. So I... I called over to Midtown facility, and a gentleman answered the phone and after a few months' conversation, he asked me if I'd come over and I did, and he gave me a test and I guess it's about the first test, and the only test I've ever passed. I think I got eighty five, <laughs> but when I went in a I was still looking for a way out. I was looking for an excuse again. I had tried the pledges, I had tried self control, willpower. I went up to see Father, and he said, Don, cut it to six. Six and I will do it. Well, that didn't work. And I thought after I was around for a couple of weeks, then I'd be able to get back at the old ball game again and everything and be under control and I'd I'd be back having fun again. But I made a, a real big mistake when I went in AA. I followed three letters that stand for three words. They're how. Honesty. open-mindedness and willingness. I wanted to use a, but I couldn't use it if I was honest with myself. And I never had been honest with myself before. And I was so blessed to have as, as my sponsors Two older gentlemen who had been around the program for a long time. I was the youngest man there by about 15 years, I guess. But Lou Wyan and Tom K. sat me down, and they talked to me. And they gave me understanding, and they gave me their experience. And they didn't shove me, and they didn't push me but they didn't let me be dishonest with myself so I continued going to the meetings and I had it impressed upon me the nature of the program the 24-hour program and I in the past had always lived in the past and the future but never today never right now never a little while from now but just the past the bad things that happened in the past and the terrible things that were going to happen in the future and they gave me this and for these older people who gave me this I I would for them I, I would not be here today and I would not be sober today I had the opportunity to get to go on twelve step calls, which all of us have done. And the giving to the other people. And seeing other people being able to change. The reward that I fell in this was something that I had never felt before because I had never done anything worthwhile before except be the bum that I must have wanted to be or I didn't have any control to be the disease that had me. And after many, many 24 hours on the program I found out that I had not shared the most blessed thing That this program has had given to me, I had not shared with with my family. It says in the twelfth step, after having a spiritual awakening, to pass the message on to other alcoholics and to practice these principles in all all our daily affairs. This means at home, too. I know that when a man first gets on the program in the first days and 24 hours they're so vitally important to be around AA all the time. But I feel that the wife and the family can be overlooked in this process. And I did do this. I thought that she doesn't want to hear this. God, she's heard this. Uh, I've been out this many nights. She's heard, uh, she do not want to hear about this guy's problems or this or that. But she did. She she was all alone. I brought it home and I kept it inside myself. I wasn't practicing the 12th step. I wasn't practicing. I was practicing selfishness. I was keeping it all myself. All the wonderful experience that I had had. And just <coughs> recently... Through communications, I've been able to share with my wife my my a more and more. She has been a and still is a member of Al Man, and I'm very fortunate and grateful to have been able to realize this at this time before the time had gone but I just want to impress upon the point that the wife was with you when you were drunk why can't she be with you when she's sober why can't she be a part of you and your life and the things that happen she wants to but we've got to give her a chance or him a chance or the kids a chance And with that, I'd like to close with this one little thing. I had to change something in, in AA for my own personal self. And the, in there's serenity prayer, I have to say, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage and patience. Patience to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. I lack patience very much and I guess I always will. But they say that you never master anything in AA, that you just try to keep working at it. God gave it to you and I and to all interested parties here an understanding of an alcohol of alcoholism and he gave this to, to nobody else just to us and it's our responsibility and i really believe this before this higher power it's our responsibility to give this to as many other people as we can and this bars none and I want to thank you for letting me share this night with you and the way that you look at the program in our lives in our 24 hour life I think that There was an old guy, his name was Abe, but he had a real good phrase. And he says, life is as happy as we make up our minds to be, for it to be. I think this is so true. And I want to thank you very much.
0: say you'd made up your mind Don I think the something that Don said uh, mentioned several times in his talk we lived the program for today and earlier he said today 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 and it reminded me of a time not too long ago when I was shaken loose in a hospital and coming off a siege of pills and what have you, that uh, I was trying to get myself straightened out and uh, there were quite a few people. Uh, this happened in Cincinnati, Frank, who were helping me at the time and they came in, they wanted to know, well, what had I been reading? What did I think? They were really... Uh, Really working me over because I'd played around with the program and I hadn't been doing any good. I hadn't been honest with myself, and I said, "Oh, I've been you know working real, real hard." And uh, I said, "I've been uh, uh, just got through reading my 24-hour-a-day book." I said, "I read today's lesson and read yesterday's lesson and tomorrow's lesson." So I get you know I could think about. I didn't want to forget yesterday, and uh, I wanted to be sure I'd read today's, and I wanted to kind of see what was coming up, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, this guy just kept looking at me with, I'm sure, disbelief. He said, "He said, Crabtree, you're the only guy I ever saw that worked this program three days at a time." <laughs> Another guy who's working this program and doing a marvelous job working it 24 hours at a time is Don B. And uh, uh, they must grow him, uh unusually uh, straight and sincere at this Overland Group. Uh, Don is also a member of the Overland Group here in St. Louis. He is Don H.'s next-door neighbor. So if they got across the back fence and talked about what they were going to say tonight, I'm sure you're going to hear another inspiring message. May I say, first of all, thank you very much, Don, for your talk. And I'd like to present to you Don B. from the Overland Group here in St. Louis. Don?
3: I'd just like to say that uh, this is the type of inspiration that I have, makes it doubly easy for me to work my program, having a man like this as close at hand as he is. This was brought to my attention on the first meeting that I had with Don H. and another fellow that called on me after I had made the initial call and asked for help. Uh, These fellows traveled quite a way to come and see me and uh, had put in a hard day at work. I speak of attraction in this program, and my first attraction was through desperation. I had no place to go, I didn't know what I was going to do next. Take a long walk off a short pier. What what was coming, the things I'd done, the things that probably were going to happen to me in the future. This was the only reason I made the call. I had run run out of excuses. I had no more corners to hide in and this is the type of reception that I got. So you can see I had a pretty good start. These fellows came and talked to me, and at the time I felt like there wasn't anybody in the world that felt the way that I did. Nobody that was as lonesome, as desperate, as miserable as I was. It didn't take long to find out that I wasn't alone in just a few minutes that I started to ease up a little and I didn't have to say anything I just listened to these fellows. I won't say that uh, I was a picture of calmness but uh, I did feel a little better after a few minutes they explained parts of the program to me and told me their stories and Some portions of them ran fairly parallel with mine. I I found out that I wasn't the only one that had gone this route. And I, too, had uh, always pictured an alcoholic as a skid row bum, which I was not too far above at the time. I hope I've improved since then. When I first walked in this place tonight, I thought back to the last time that I was in this room right here. And about this time in the evening, I was ready to get up and join Frankie Lane in a couple of his numbers. Things have changed a little since then. Another attraction of this program, and probably the biggest one for me, is the 24-hour program. I, too, lived in the past, worried about what was coming tomorrow.
0: I always worried
3: about these things, but I never did anything about them. Just worried. And when the worry got so bad, boom, back in the bottle. The honesty, sincerity, and friendship in this program are the best, bar none. I, through this program through the people that I've met, through my sponsors, from meetings, all the tools that we use on the program have helped me to gain some degree of honesty and humility. Excuse me. I'm very humble tonight, the few sharp 24s that I've had on this program, to be allowed to come up here and speak to my fellows in, in this fellowship. It's a great honor for me. Another attraction of the program that helps me is knowing that if I do hit some rough spots, that there's always help close at hand. There's always the telephone. There's always my good friend, not too far. All my good friends are as close as a telephone. When I speak of good friends now, I'm not speaking of the fellow on the next bar stool to me who probably forgot who the hell I was a week after I was gone. These are friends. These are people that care about me, what happens to me. The meetings, another attraction. You get a chance to go and... Listen, if you don't feel like talking, just go and listen. Sometimes this helps. I know it's helped me many times. Talk to other fellows. I never went to a meeting yet that I didn't walk away with something. It's taught me to try to think before I rush headlong into things. Like that long walk off the short pier I was talking about. These people have given me, in this program, a new lease on life. I won't say I don't have fears. I have fears like I have right now. I'm shaking like a leaf. But they don't bother me the way they used to bother me. I got a, I got ammunition now to shoot back at these troubles that shot at me all my life. This is the finest association that I've ever had outside of my marriage, honey. And I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I can do that any time that I choose. Nobody's keeping me here. I will say that I was sitting on that chair, uh, being the official time timekeeper for time, and uh, hoping that we'd run out of time before it got to me, but it didn't work out that way. It's my pleasure and privilege to be here to see all you people and interested parties in this program you you think back that well, I wish I had called sooner. I wish I'd gotten around the program. I wish I'd gotten around these people a lot sooner than I did. And this would have been good, but I don't let it bother me. I'm glad that I did get around them, no matter how late it was. And this is what is important to me now, the way I feel now. So from an attraction born of desperation to a relationship of inspiration because I believe that this program is truly inspirational. Thank you.
0: I would like to thank everybody tonight who has been up here for the time that they've given, for the inspiration that they've given, for the sincere thoughtfulness that they have shown by the things that they have said. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for a very good job well done. Uh, I have two announcements before we close. Um, on the inside cover of your program, the alatine hospitality uh, room will be changed from the park room on Saturday to the coach room and from the coach room on Sunday to the park room. <laughs> now you'll dream about that all night, won't you? <laughs> It's exactly the opposite of the way it is on the inside cover of your, of your, uh, uh, program. I'd also like to remind you that at 11 o'clock, a real, uh, great lineup of people at the Night Owl Talkathon on some, uh, controversial topics some thought provoking topics and some inspirational topics concerning alcoholism and AA. I would, uh, I'm always impressed at any AA meeting that I go to by the fellowship itself in AA, by the people in AA. There are a group of people like you meet nowhere else in the world. There is a story that I heard some time ago that has always been a favorite of mine. It's supposed to have happened many years ago in covered wagon times, I guess, uh, just a little west of St. Louis. It's a story of uh, a little settlement that was just out here west, and it was about the last settlement as you went west. In other words, you either uh, settled in this particular little village, uh, there was a road going off into the village, or you could go straight ahead and eventually into the wilderness, and uh, unknown dangers in those days. And right in the fork of the road that went to the village and then went on to the wilderness, there was an old log cabin. And as this story goes, there was a an old man who lived in the log cabin, and every night he used to sit out and he used to watch the sun go down on the sitting on a stool leaning against the cabin, and one night uh, he was about to turn in for the night when he he heard a, ca- a covered wagon coming up from the east, and it got to the fork of the road and it stopped and the man jumped down from the wagon and he went over to the old man and he said uh, "Say, he said, the wife and I are thinking about settling down here." He said uh, "What kind of people do you have around here?" And the old man thought for a second. He said, "Well, what kind of people were they? Where you came from?" And he said, "Oh, they were a mean, cantankerous bunch. He said, uh, always cheating and stealing. They lied a lot. Nobody ever spoke to us. We had an awful lot of trouble getting along with our neighbors. That's the reason we came out here." And the old man said, "Well, you he said that's pretty much the way people are around here." And he kind of waved the man on and he got back on the covered wagon and he he went on west, out to the wilderness. And the old man had no sooner gotten back to his door than another covered wagon came up and another man got down and he asked the very same question of the old man. He said, uh, the family and I were thinking about settling down here. He said, what kind of people do you have around here? And the old man said, well, what kind of people are they where you came from? And the man looked out over the western horizon and he got choked up a little bit and he said, oh, they were a grand bunch of people. He said, they give you the shirt off their back, they'd do anything for you to help you. They had such understanding. He said, we came out here because we thought there would be some more opportunities But he said, gee, we hated to leave him." And the old man said, well, he said, "Uh, that's exactly the way the people are around here. And I think we find this in AA. No matter where we come from in the United States or Canada or where we go to, they're our kind of people. Would you stand and join me in the Lord's Prayer?